Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. No Mitchell Robinson, no Emmanuel Quickly. At least tonight, no problem for the New York Knicks. A 136-130 to victory over the Toronto Raptors. We talk a virtuoso offensive performance from Julius Randle. Pretty darn close to the best games of the season for Quentin Grimes and Josh Hart. And what the Knicks missed with Mitchell Robinson, what they might have gained by his absence. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. I did exactly that today, which I will tell you more about later. But first, I wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every single day um, because we strive to be the greatest Knicks podcast out there. We strive to be the only daily Knicks podcast out there. If you want to join us every day, all you have to do is subscribe on YouTube. Hit that notifications bell so you never, ever, ever miss an episode. And then if you want to take things to the next level and get a little more intimate with us, uh, hit the descript- hit the link in the description. There we go. To our subtext so we can text you before and after every single Knicks game. And then if you have some questions on the side, we're happy to answer those as well. But who would you be talking to? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland and the New York Knicks, are 136 to 130 victors over the Toronto Raptors. Alex, only one place to start. We, we couldn't help ourselves. We were gushing uh, and borderline drooling for about three, four minutes before the podcast even started. I put it out on Twitter. I'll say it again here. This is why you sit through all the crap, all the torture. I, I think that's an accurate word. Torture from Julius Randle because he can have nights like this where he is pretty much perfect and, and, and carries you to a victory. Yeah, it's really funny when we were talking about it before we started recording. You know, I mentioned a little spoiler alert. I want to I want to talk about OG Ananobi in a minute as well, just because I thought that something about how he played in this game just made me finally think like, man, maybe this guy is a guy that Knicks should actually look at. But you were like, well, he kind of got toasted by Randall a few times. I'm like, well, that was not something just unique to him. Like it, it, this is just one of those games. It's like I'll use the same analogy that I used when we were talking before the show, like sometimes you know kevin durant is just kevin durant you know what i mean and like there's no stopping one of the most talented offensive players on the planet when they're playing at their best and i'm not saying that julius randall is kevin durant on a night to night basis but in this particular game he may as well have been or lebron james or like you name it like he was he couldn't miss i mean he just he did exactly what he wanted to do and the cool thing was was that he didn't do it exactly like he did in the previous raptors game you know, I, I noted in the previous game that the Knicks won against the Raptors that he sort of tried something new or new-ish where he was, instead of trying to get all the way to the hoop against this team of long dudes that love to block people inside of, you know, I mean, they throw a lineup out there consistently of like Boucher, Pascal Siakam, and Jakob Pertl, or like with Ananobi sometimes out there with those guys too. Like every single one of those guys has like a seven-foot wingspan. Um, so instead of, Going all the way in, he was just kind of creating some space with his shoulder and then just backing up for that nice little like 10-foot mid-range shot, which has been a staple of his diet for years now, ever since 20 to 21 uh, when he's at his best. But in this game, he wasn't even just doing that. It's like he used that to sort of probe and get his points early. And then as the game went on, he just got more and more aggressive and at a certain point was just 
bullying them all the way to the hoop because they were like so afraid of that midi potentially that they were overplaying that and allowing Randall to get the inside position on them and get easier looks later on. I just thought it was, it was such a smart performance from him, a great way to get around a team that has given him fits in the past and given this team fits in the past. And my absolute favorite sequence, and I'll throw it to you, Gavin, he goes in, goes for a, a sick reverse jam, messes it up, and then I think Josh Hart got it on the side, gets it right back to Randall, and then Randall starts backing down, pulls off an absolutely disgusting spin move with great ball handling, like going from his, his I think it was from his right hand to his left hand, which is how you want to do it with him, ideally. Super tight spin move, gets all the way in and makes a nice little easy layup. Uh, I, I shouldn't call it super easy. I mean, it was still, it was in traffic. Yeah, it was a double, double pump that I, I thought probably yeah. should have been an and one. But yeah, I mean, just just a phenomenal sequence, a phenomenal game for him. I mean, this was this was this was his scoring performance of the season so far. Um, even though I think he scored more points than this uh, at certain points this year game. so far. Yeah, yeah. But I don't care. I, this was his best scoring performance of the season, especially because he utilized it to get the rest of his teammates involved with five assists too. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear you say that because I, I missed the Bucks game traveling, and for I, I think understandably to everyone listening did not really want to relive that uh, the next day. But I, I wrote down like this has to be his best game of the season. Like I, I think you totally nailed it. Like smart is the right word for it. Um, just consistently, and this is this has been a theme. Um, ever since he's recovered from the disaster that was the beginning of this season, like just consistently establishing like low post position and and just getting to his spots even when it's Pascal Siakam right like he just backed him down backed him down short fader and he just had so much confidence in that shot and it, it honestly Alex it reminded me like in the first quarter especially of like an older brother like playing with his little brother and and like and their friends and like and just just knowing that like all right I can get to my spot I can do whatever I want I'm, I'm going to make it every single time once I get there and and, and the touch was just insane I, I think we, we sometimes have to take a step back and, and just kind of be a little bit more objective is obviously there's just so many emotions tied up in how we watch Julius Randle at this point and, and just kind of take a step back and admire what kind of talent the guy is. Because if he were just a six foot eight bulldozer at his size, like that would be an extremely valuable offensive player in the NBA. But then he just has like this touch on his shot that on the right night, I mean, it is it is Duranty, right? Like the, the one he hit over the baseline Wally Serviak threw out Larry Bird. And I was like, you know, Wally, that's, that's not crazy, man. Like he just launched a moon ball over the backboard. And, and then the way he closed this game out. I mean, I, I like you, you highlighted that play. I loved another one that I thought maybe was his play of the year was when Scotty Barnes, like you could tell was just trying to send a message, right? It was pressing into him. was kind of like bumping with his chest and like, all right, you can do that to OG. You can do that. Pascal. You're not going to do that to me. Randall just kind of like looked him up and down and said, all right, bet. And just, just juked him out of his shoes, sped in for a dunk, got, got the uh, technical, like hang on the rim and doing the pull up. And, and once again, this was a weird night for me, Alex. I was once again, in total agreement with Wally. I didn't give a flying crap about the tactical. I was like, let's go. Like, that's the game right there. Just completely, completely manhandled Scotty Barnes. Um, another sequence was was in transition. Um, like Brunson got a rebound, like threw it ahead to Randall. And Randall did something I'm not sure I've ever seen from him before where he just didn't even take a dribble. He, he saw RJ running and and almost as if like he had to watch that play against the Celtics the other night where, where RJ was streaking wide open and Randall just had blinders on, didn't see him. Like, like I think Tibbs might have made him look at that clockwork orange style. He just sped it ahead to RJ. RJ went in for the layup. 
Um, incredible pass near the end of the game to Quinn Grimes with the shot clock dwindling. Randall was triple team. No look out to the corner. Grimes hits it 124-117. That essentially puts the game away. And then he hit a shot clock buzzer beater. I think that was to make it 133 to 125, I want to say, or maybe 131-123. That that did finally put the game away. So nearly a perfect game for me. I, I don't really have much more to say about it. Yeah. And I think just the biggest thing too is that. You know, there were certain times in the first half where I, I felt the little twinges of worry uh, about his the way that he was approaching things where there was one possession in particular. I forget who it was that he was trying to get the ball from. I want to say it was DiVincenzo. And they wasted like the entire shot clock just trying to get the ball in Julius Randle's hands. And it made it made me a little worried just in the sense of like, Okay, I understand that he's hot, but like you can't waste an entire possession when they're they're trying to actively blanket him and waste that possession like just trying to get the ball in his hands. Uh, he might have even made the shot on that possession to be completely honest, because I think that I I was like watching that and was like, oh man, that's annoying. And then he got it with like four seconds left and dribbled in and just did a pull up from mid range and made it anyway. So he kind of made a fool of me right there to begin with, but the process there was not fantastic. But in the second half, I felt like he actually let it let the game come to him more and kind of empowered Jalen Brunson more, you know, because Brunson was handling the ball more in the second half. He was getting his own offense going a little more in the second half. He was distributing a ton uh, throughout the whole game. So, like, I, I don't know. I just really liked it. I liked the whole process from Julius Randle, the whole Julius Randle experience in this game, uh, which is not necessarily always the case like sometimes there's always that caveat of like well well but you know which is like us holding him to the standard of an all nba player where you expect him to tick all the boxes any given night in this case he ticked every single box and and it was a fantastic performance from him uh but gavin two other guys that had crazy good performances uh quentin grimes and josh hart off the bench i think were as impactful as anyone on the Knicks has been off the bench this year. And that includes Emmanuel quickly at his best uh, in this game. I think we found a new uh, tandem to, to, you know, really appreciate here uh, going forward off the bench. But before we get into that, you know, if, if any Knicks fans want to go see a Knicks game anytime soon, can you let them know the best place to get those tickets? Well, Alex, uh, I'm risking my journalist integrity here by saying this, but I am one of those Knicks fans, and I do want to go see a Knicks game soon. And there was only one place I thought to go to get tickets, and that is our friends over at Game Times. Whether it's sports, music, comedy, or theater, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying your tickets to your next big event. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. For me, um, it was a combination of the all-in prices, which which I just loved getting. I loved being able to text my friends before I got the ticket. I didn't have to do any fast math at the last second. I just said, hey, guys, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what the final price is going to be. And everyone was like, all right, that's cool. Um, and I was able to get tickets to Nick's Suns this Friday while I'm in Arizona visiting my girlfriend. And I could not be more excited. Because, uh, no offense to our good friends over at MSG, but it's just a little bit cheaper to watch our boys out here against a, a great team. So I'm incredibly excited for that. I, I loved getting to see my view from the seat. I was like, all right, is that a little bit too far off from the side? And I saw it. I enjoyed it. And I was like, all right, you know what? That is picture perfect. I, I, it was so cool. You get to buy tickets in seconds with only two taps. Um, and, and then the, the maybe the single best part about it is they're 
game time guarantee because it means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section of row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So go ahead, look on any other app. You will always win going with game time. You can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N N B A for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, Alex, you know what else is guaranteed? Uh, a massive performance from Quentin Grimes when he comes off the bench. Apparently, second straight epic game in a row from him. Josh Hart, um, I I was not on the pod for a lot of his great performances last weekend. So as far as this viewing audience is concerned, um, in my mind, uh, his best performance of this year reminded me of 2022 Josh Hart. This whole game reminded me of the vibe of the second half of last season where, where the ball movement was just crisp and unselfish and they were playing fast and they were making threes. It was, it was such an important make right game. And, and as good as Randall was, I almost feel like Josh Hart was at the center of that maybe more than anyone else on this team. But Alex, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Where, where do you want to start the second segment? Yeah. I mean, I think it's Grimes. I mean, it, the, the confidence that he's playing with is, is crazy compared to where we saw him like just a week ago where he's like, you know, we're having a whole pot about like, oh, he's complaining and like, is that right? And blah, blah, blah. Well, someone hurt him, you know, and, and, you know, maybe that's the beauty of this team is that, you know, maybe this tells the players going forward, like, hey, if you guys have a problem, you know, to go talk to the media, like, just bring it up. Like, we'll find, we'll work on solutions. Like, this is a deep team with a lot of interchangeable parts. So, like, if you, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable, you could come off the bench for a little bit and like work with that really, fun fast unit and get your mojo back and that's clearly what grimes has done i mean he did a little bit of everything he's looking so much more to cut now which i think is great for him and josh hart i mean it's i guess they're kind of intrinsically linked right in this recap because i thought that so much of what made grimes great was also what made Hart great in this game which was i mean the last few games Hart is just just doing such a good job of making these quick little touch passes like to find guys cutting to the hoop. And it's just like Hart gets the ball in his hands. And then whoever is out there, whether it's uh, whether it's like RJ or whether it's Grimes mostly, uh, they're looking to cut in and get inside, get that entry pass and go up for a layup. And like Hart maybe pushes his luck a little too much sometimes. Like there was one or two times in this game where he was like, he tried to make a pass and it was like, dude, like that's Scotty Barnes right there. You can't really do that. <laughs> you know, like you can't try to thread that needle. But, I mean, he had a beautiful threaded needle to Grimes at one point. Uh, I think he's not going into – I think he's not going into RJ as well, but he, I think he had multiple to Grimes in yeah. this game. The the one really stands out in my head, though, um, the RJ one. I mean, just a, just a fantastic game from both of them. But Grimes, like, shooting really well, cutting really well. I mean, there's just – it's just like the quintessential good Quentin Grimes experience and – you know, I think the only thing that I would maybe hope to see a little more of coming up, although we got to see a little bit of it in this game, like he had a couple couple opportunities to kind of sauce guys up a little bit off the dribble. But like, I think that's kind of the last missing piece is just like, can we get a little more off the dribble Grimes action uh, going forward? Yeah, you, you use the word crazy for Grimes performance. I'm going to call it stunning. Just the amount of force that he played with. Is this a guy? I, I think I, I I might like I don't know. I could get fired for it. I used the word lethargic probably twenty times when we had the Quentin Grimes podcast about how he was playing 
And this was this was the antithesis of that. He he came out with just so much aggression and force. I mean, the only way to describe it was fearlessness. It, it felt like you put Steph Curry's brain in Quentin Grimes's body for a night. Like like that. Like one one of those great hard passes was was to Grimes on a backdoor cut, and he missed the layup. But I I kind of noted that right away. I was like, all right, that's that's good that he's he's trying to do that because he doesn't even go for that in the starting line because I think he knows more often than not. He's not necessarily going to get the basketball and that's, that's a chicken or the egg argument. Um, but then like next play, like he confidently attacks a closeout for an up and under um, comes off a screen after making another three, he had 10 points in the first seven minutes of this one. Um, like had another like really confident rim attack, like later in the game, he missed the layup. Hart got the rebound. Hart got it right back to him. He made the three he hit the three that I mentioned on um, that should have put the game away. Just ultra quick release. My only issue with him in this one was I thought he had a, two or three different gambles defensively that and like all of them led to buckets for the Raptors. Like the Knicks were playing good defense. They were fine. The Raptors suck in the half court. You want to make them score and beat you one-on-one and, and Grimes. And, and this was, this was a real theme, Alex. Maybe we'll talk about it more next segment, but early in this game um, where, where he was just sort of like all over the place and like doubling for no reason. It was what you were mentioning against the Celtics the other night. And it led to buckets over and over and over again. That's just out of character for him. It's it's not something we'd be worried about until we see it a lot. I think it was just kind of going along with that mindset of being ultra aggressive. But if he can ramp that back a little bit, just just a great two way game. Um, I I have some more thoughts on Hart, but I want to I want to throw it back to you first. Like like how did you feel about just the vibe of this game? Like did did you pick up on what I was feeling where it was like oh this is this is and and I don't know if you attribute it to Mitchell Robinson's absence or just a good night. But it, it just felt different to me than almost any other game the Knicks had this year from a ball movement perspective. I mean, they had 36 assists, which they said on the broadcast has only happened. I think it's this yeah. is the fourth time in the last 30 years. Wow. The Knicks have had have, have had 36 or more assists in a game. So there's a reason it felt different because it's it's different. They <laughs> it haven't was. done it, they haven't done it probably in a long time. Um but yeah, I, I think that things felt very free moving, uh, particularly with that second unit. But I don't know if that's a that's certainly not a Mitchell Robinson thing. Like that's, I think, just more of a Grimes is a better player than Dante DiVincenzo thing. And like if if he's playing at his best, he's a, he's a better player. You know what I mean? So like you're seeing essentially a supercharged version of what DiVincenzo could give you out there in the second unit. Uh, Josh Hart. Was playing. I mean, this I think was one of his best games as a Nick. Period. I mean, almost a triple double, like sixteen points, eight assists, seven boards, like three of three from the three point line. I mean, this is like pure uncut, unsustainable shooting. Josh Hart, like straight to your head. You know, like it's just it's exactly the the best version of him that you could possibly hope to see on the floor. And I think he and Grimes are just. I mean, they unlock something in that second unit that you know you can't even have with Hart and DiVincenzo just because DiVincenzo is like, again, like a in most skills at their best, he's like an 80% version of Quentin Grimes, but maybe just one that is a little more, a little more, I guess, complacent or whatever with being in more of that role that Grimes was in, in the starting lineup, which we saw in this game too. Like, I guess, I mean, I, I guess unless DiVincenzo comes out and complains that he's not getting enough shots soon too, but Breen even noted it on the broadcast of like, I think DiVincenzo's first shot was until the third quarter or maybe it was late still nine minutes quarter. left in the third. You, yeah, yeah, you got it right. But, but he had yeah. five assists at that point. It's why I noted. Right. Which is great. 
but like yeah. you know it was his first shot attempt at that point and this is a guy that's normally used to taking like i mean just as recently as like four games ago or something made like seven threes off the bench you know so yeah. it's 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 just a matter of a role adjustment and then just what they can offer you i just think that grimes offers more off the bounce and more on and eh, maybe not more on the cuts but it just in general is a more talented like finisher at his best and and things like that. You know, we've noted in the past, like going into the season, like DiVincenzo's finishing numbers around the rim leave some to be desired. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's what it comes down to is just that second unit played with so much pace. And then you had a really good like kind of symbiosis between the the first unit and the second unit where they had some overlap and Grimes managed to find success in that lineup, too. Uh, so I think that's key too. I mean, that's sort of just like, okay, well, it wasn't working when he was a starter, but it'll work if he's out there with Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall, I guess. So that's fine. Um, I mean, you'll just take it all day. I think it's just a matter of they were committed to constant motion in this game. They were committed to getting out on the fast break. They were committed to doing whatever they had to do to get a win in this game. Um, but they also just had a really good game plan against the Raptors and were able to generate open shots pretty much the whole time. Um, it's not going to happen against every single opponent. And like the Raptors are having their struggles this year, but they're no, they're not slouches either. Like the Raptors are a talented team that just kind of isn't really putting it together at the moment. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was definitely, it, it felt different in some ways to, to use your word there um, compared to how it has in the past. Yeah, it, I think it's it's an important caveat because like I, I've gotten really high on 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 the Knicks supply against bad teams this year. I mean, I remember coming after the Hornets game and saying like, "Wow, the ball movement like it it looks different than it looks at any point this season." It's like, yeah, it's because it, it was the Hornets. But I'm with you. This was a step up in terms of an opponent, and and it was an important game in that the Knicks had lost two in a row, first without Mitchell Robinson, and it, it just feels like with Mitch gone, that margin for error shrinks. And I, I talked about this on the pod earlier today where I, I think Mitch was often a guarantee of a high floor and he was just such an advantage against the worst teams in the league and, and against the Raptors. He's such an advantage we, where, I mean, they were again, killing the Knicks at points in this game on the offensive glass and with Mitch, that just doesn't happen. I um, mean, and, and you lose that, but what you gain is, is some extra flow. And I thought it was key, even though he didn't necessarily have a great game that you had Hartenstein out there and someone who could pass a little bit more and someone who could space a little bit more. And I, I thought that, um, like not having Mitchell Robinson, having an open floor, like empower Josh Hart to just have a more aggressive game attacking the rim. Like, like his passing, his pace was so good. He was overall very confident shooting the basketball, made two threes in this game. The first one was a step back. And it's like, oh man, that, that is spicy for Josh Hart. Like he's, he's normally passing up open threes. Um, his ability to attack coast to coast had that beautiful one where he beat Boucher between him and Achua, like two 6'11 guys, with, to your point, a million foot um, um, wingspans probably should have been an and one. And then then the fourth quarter, Alex, I, I just, I tracked this real quick, but he had the coast to coast. He had the drive that you mentioned where he got into the lane through a no look. RJ Barrett, credit to him, um, synced up the cut perfectly to get a layup, then flew in, corralled Quentin Grimes's miss, got it back, handed it off to him for a three, then ran the floor for another layup, had a huge steal on Siakam, um, huge three off that swing swing sequence that, that kind of defined the end of the game where Brunson eventually slung it to him. That was, again, heart relocating to the left wing. That was really good. Um, and, and then next, very next play, Brunson getting a rebound, heart running the floor hard, um, heart getting um, a transition layup. That pushed the Knicks lead to 129 to 119. Again, um, from that point forward, they, they never got closer than five. So that was, I, I, I just thought he, he, he was the 
Chloe Knight. And, and on a team with Jalen Brunson, who had, who did some good stuff, RJ did some good stuff, Randall did some good stuff, Grimes, who did some good stuff. Hart was the MVP of the fourth quarter. And, and for a guy who just struggled and looked, frankly, tired after a summer of playing basketball for Team USA, uh, that was that was a revelation for me. But Alex, uh, if people are encouraged by this game and want to want to put together a Josh Hart parlay, uh, where can they go do that? Yeah, I mean, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers are staying hot on FanDuel, but so too are the NBA offers. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So maybe you could place that bet on the Knicks. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more, and I pump this up every time, but it's my favorite feature. So rather than just zeroing in on individual lines, I'm going to tell you about same-game parlays, which is my favorite feature on FanDuel. If you don't know what a parlay is, it's when you place a bunch of different bets all in tandem, and then if they all hit, you get more money. Well, FanDuel, rather than making you place it over the whole slate of games for a night or whatever, says you can just do this for a bunch of stuff in one single game. So you, if tonight you had been like, hey, Julius Randle over 30 and a half points, and uh, Jalen Brunson over six and a half assists and Quentin Grimes over two and a half threes and Josh Hart over five and a half assists and so on and so forth and put together a big old betting ticket. You could have made a bunch of money because those individual bets that maybe don't pay off as much by themselves pay off a lot more if you combine them all together into a same game parlay. So it's my favorite feature. Easy way to just throw in a couple bucks on a game and make it a little more interesting for yourself. Give yourself a little something extra to cheer for during the game and potentially make some big money. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can keep up with the NFL season and, of course, the NBA season and your New York Knicks. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Gavin, we're back in to keep talking through this Knicks win. And I, I think, I mean, as, as much as there's so many great things, and I mean, we could potentially talk about like RJ Barrett, uh, who had 27 points on pretty good shooting. We could talk about uh, Jalen Brunson, who had 21 points and nine assists on seven to 12 shooting. I mean, uh, pretty much everyone that you pick out of the lineup had a good shooting night. So let's just, we could kind of blanket statement. Most of the rest of the guys, like they shot 52 of 86 overall as a team, 17 of 29 from three. Uh, so that's that's a really good night. Uh, but I, I think... I want to talk a little bit about Mitchell Robinson and the absence there and just kind of uh, like you did the solo pod earlier. I want to just give a little bit of thoughts. Like I didn't dislike Jericho Sims's game starting. I thought he did a pretty good job. You know, I thought that he rebounded well. I, obviously I think you miss out a lot on what Mitch was offering on defense on the inside. Uh, with Sims, maybe not even just in the like shot contest department, but certainly in the like fast hands department where Mitch is generating so many transition opportunities and, you know, just overall turnovers just with the steals that he's creating this year. So I think I missed some of that. He did have one nice lob and, and all that, which is cool. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, I thought played fantastic off the bench. Like he sort of filled the Mitch void in, in a really good way. Five offensive rebounds, uh, Eight rebounds total, had a couple assists, had uh, two steals, one block, you know, was kind of getting all over the place, contesting shots and all that, which is what you want to see out of him. That said, I do worry a little bit that the Knicks don't have quite enough depth right now at the center spot. Like, I think you can afford to start Sims for two, three games if you have to. 
but I kind of worry about starting him for like eight to 10 weeks, which is what we're in for with Mitchell Robinson. I hope the Knicks look for someone else to fill that void uh, and, you know, just kind of be a, another center, another quality center to have on the roster. Maybe even someone that you can throw in as a four from time to time. Like I've seen Kelly Olynyk's name come up as a guy that I think would be a, a pretty solid fit who shouldn't cost you an arm and a leg. Like Utah at a certain point is going to probably try to sell parts for cash, uh, you know, and just cash out whatever they can. Cause their, their turnaround is not happening this year. Uh, so they're probably going to look to get a little something before the trade deadline to keep the rebuild going there. So maybe you go for someone like that, whatever the case may be, I think it would be, it would be a good idea to get someone that can potentially fill multiple like roles there, like who isn't so set on being a center that they can only play center. So you could maybe credibly throw them out there and have them shoot a little bit uh, as a four for small stretches if you need it and you need to play a little bigger, but who could help fill in behind. I, I would say move Hartenstein to the starting lineup when you can if you make that sort of move. But I mean, I like Jericho Sims. I, I, you know, I've stood by for a while. Like, I think he's a good third center in the NBA. I don't know if there's too much more than that to him, but I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts. Like I thought it worked fine for this game, but like, I just, I could see it very easily not working as well in other games. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn on it. And I wonder how far Tibbs is going to go with it. Because if you remember last season, like that second stretch, Mitch was out. Jericho Sims started. Um, I, I needed our, our guy, Jonathan Macri to remind me of this. Jericho Sims started all 14 of those games and, and Hartenstein ended the four for some of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, um, yeah. An important <laughs> distinction, but oh, and Hartenstein had just like this awesome, like plus minus, like um, when, when he was coming off the bench um, and he obviously plays so well with the bench unit and like, like add it's just so additive and you you wonder with the starting lineup like all right how involved does he get to be and that that was kind of my main point on the pod earlier today like like does he suffer from the Quentin Grimes slash Dante DiVincenzo effect where he loses some stuff but tonight there was some evidence to the contrary right because him and Brunson had this beautiful pick and roll chemistry and and maybe we that that's where he can sneak some Brunson stuff in like like I, I thought this was a really great passing game for him on a night where um they know Rebecca Harlow noted like he, he said his ankle was fine maybe it was bothering him just a bit like wasn't quite as aggressive as normal did have some big moments going um one-on-one -on -one at Dennis Schroeder late in this game but what stood out to me was the passing and and, and just Hartenstein's ability to have a little bit more creativity in the pick and roll like like him and Brunson had this really nice one early where Brunson snaked it back and then Hartenstein ended up like finishing with it up and under and using the back backboard of the shield and just like just versatility and his ability to finish that you don't see from Mitch like or if defenders crash down like he has the ability to spray it out so I wouldn't mind him getting a few more minutes with the starters and I'm with you against the best teams in the league like if the Knicks are playing the Boston Celtics again like I almost think you have to start Hartenstein because the Knicks just got into these scramble situations early in the game and it's hard to know how much of that to attribute to Mitchell Robinson being absent because he is kind of a point guard and kind of helps direct people defensively but it's it's not like he's been brilliant at that throughout his career, but either way, like they kept getting these bad switches where you got um, Brunson guarding like one of Scotty Barnes or OG Ananobi. And, and there were these situations where, where he was just getting bullied and, and I'll use my second big brother analogy of the day. It was like, you didn't have big brother and Mitch there to clean it up. And, and Sims is great and he can jump high, but he's, he's, he's obviously not in the same world as either a deterrent or a rim protector that Mitch is neither is Hartenstein, but Hartenstein is just bigger and burlier and, and, and has that verticality down. So he can do a little bit more of that. 
Um, again, you, you, you gain some stuff with each guy with Hartenstein, like he's a little bit, or excuse me, Sims, he's a little more switchable and on a team with a great point guard that the Raptors don't really have, like he might be more useful. So it's going to be so matchup dependent. And I think, I think it's going to be a real test for Tibbs to not just do the same thing every time and to be willing to switch it up a little bit. But, but it, it was just a fascinating example of like, all right, like here's what you lose without Mitchell Robinson, but there's obviously some stuff you gain when he's not on the floor. Yeah, and I and I think you see more of that with Hartenstein than Sims. So I definitely agree with that. Like the passing from Hartenstein is is such a different wrinkle. And that's whether he's I think that would that would stick whether he's starting or whether he's whether he's coming off the bench. And so hopefully against certain teams, you know, even if I know that Tibbs just kind of pigeonholes guys into what he thinks their role is, but you know, so he's probably looking at Hartenstein like, well, he's a bench center, he's the he's the backup guy. And it's like, all right, fine, but like, there are going to be some games where having Jericho Sims out there is going to represent not putting your best foot forward, uh, because he's honestly he's still. I don't even want know if I want to say that he's like still raw because he's like twenty six years old now. They're all the, they're all the same age. You know, it always stuns me. I always think they should all three of them be different ages. They're all the same age. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so like Sims is like the same age as these guys, and clearly just, I mean, he is who he is as a player. Like you know, he he does certain things well, but there are going to be games where like his limitations on offense are going to, you know, teams are going to turn that into essentially a, a four on five scenario, which maybe the Knicks can overcome some nights, but is not going to be the case every night. And Hardenstein helps mitigate that because even if he's not really taking a lot of shots, he's just such a talented passer that you get RJ cutting or, you know, just him uh, working like a pick and roll or give and go situation with Jalen Brunson, whatever, like you get a lot of options on the table uh, with him potentially starting. Uh, but other than that, like, yeah, as far as as far as Mitch being out in the aggregate, like it's it's worrisome. I, I worry a bit how how the Knicks defense is going to hold up. Like we even saw in this game, like, I mean, this is three straight games now where defense is not really their calling card anymore. I mean, this is not this was this was a one of their best offensive outings that they've had in the last five years, I think like, I mean, this yep. to shoot again, those percentages like 60% from the field and like almost 60% from three is obscene, you know, like that's such a great performance. And yet to only win by six in the end is like, I, I worry a bit, you know, this, this doesn't really quell my concerns too much in the near term about how they're going to fare against the better teams in the East going forward. And, you know, Hey, maybe they could just keep taking care of business against the the bad teams. And, that'll be good enough to make the playoffs and whatever. But, you know, if, if they want to take that next step, it's it's going to be interesting. Like, I don't know that there's necessarily a next step to be had here. It's just going to be, can they adjust enough on defense to make up for the huge losses of rebounding, rim protection, and steel generation that Mitch was giving you? Uh, this game showed yes. Not every game will necessarily do that, though, because to your point, like, the Raptors are one of the weirder teams in the league where they only have one like kind of true point guard and um you know they they kind of just have a whole bunch of wings we were talking this is the last thing i want to just briefly talk on uh og ananobi stood out to me a lot in this game as a guy who potentially might be a guy that's worth looking at for the knicks not necessarily to solve the mitch problem but i've been i've been a little tough on the idea of like getting ananobi in the past and like in this game just i was watching i was like he plays with a guy similar to Julius Randle and Pascal Siakam. He plays with, I mean, he's certainly not Jalen Brunson, but a, a score first point guard and Dennis Schroeder, you know, and he plays with uh, Scotty Barnes, who's a high usage player in his own right. And yet 
still just killed it in this game. I mean, he essentially yeah. did the stuff that Grimes was sort of not finding a rhythm with, which was just hitting tons of corner threes, making some cuts when it was convenient, you know, getting in there and getting like some quick offensive rebounds. And he is just, I mean, again, he got a little bullied by Randall at certain points, but he is a really talented, really long defender. I couldn't help but fantasize a little bit about like, if you could throw a lineup out there of Brunson, Ananobi, RJ Barrett, Julius Randall, and, you know, once he's healed Mitchell Robinson, like, yeah. that is such a balanced lineup. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it would cost at this point. I think, unfortunately, it would be one of quickly or Grimes minimum and probably like a, I don't know, a protected first round pick and an unprotected first round pick. If the Raptors just kind of reach a point where they say, okay, we're going to move this guy. Cause we're not going to have another Van Vliet situation where we just let someone walk in free agency that we know is one foot out the door already. And then the Knicks obviously would have to kind of commit to like paying him going forward too. If you want to make the investment worth it. But I don't know. It was uh, this, this game kind of sold me on, on Ananobi. Like if they can get the right deal for him, like I see the vision. I, I feel like he could be really perfect for this team. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And look, allegedly Memphis offered four first round picks for him. Maybe, maybe now that he's, he's his contract is expiring, that that number is is a little bit smaller and more reasonable. I, I know we we talked to our guy Sean about it over the offseason. and he was he was talking about well, quickly and Grimes and picks is the starting point. Which I, I don't know, Alex. Maybe maybe you're willing to go there. That's still probably a little bit rich for my blood, just because you're going to have to pay him an absurd amount of money. And then if you do that, um. I, obviously, there's still trades to be made, and who knows? Maybe if you get that mega star, you're you're packaging both RJ and Randall in that trade. But then you're talking about losing all your depth. There's a lot of interesting cap implications to it. But just for this year, like if the trade is is essentially like quickly and and a pick or two for him. Like I mean, I again, this was one night, and there, there's so many moments where the Knicks are going to need Emmanuel quickly. But I think also tonight showed like what what we know all season, right? There's such a glut at the guard spot and, and and you have the benefit if you're the Knicks of like, all right, if someone gets hurt, like quickly gets hurt. And this is the point Zach Lowe made the other day when he was talking about the Knicks, like you, you only have too much depth until there's an injury. And then when there's an injury, you all of a sudden have the perfect amount of depth. So that's a relevant point. The counterpoint to that is Quentin Grimes probably does not have the same night. If Emmanuel quickly is on the floor, Josh Hart might not have quite the same night. If Emmanuel quickly is on the floor, RJ Barrett, who uh, we should shout out really quick because we barely talked about him after a really poor start, shooting the basketball to this game, rebounded super well, um, made his last uh, two threes after starting just one for six, 11 for 21, 27 points. I, I thought at an absolutely crucial point in this game, started the fourth quarter where the Raptors could have made a run and take control. RJ had three straight buckets, including one on an absolutely six spin move. He was great. I don't know if he is the same night, if Emmanuel quickly is available. Um, and, and they don't have that same depth on the wing. Like like right now, it's Josh Hart playing those backup four minutes. If there's a Julius Randle injury, they're screwed there. If they have an OG Ananobi, you have someone who's physically strong enough to survive in that spot. And to your point, even if it's just an all-in move on this season, like I can, if, if, you're, if, if the deal is what you said, if it's quickly an unprotected first and like a slightly protected first, I can rationalize that in my mind. Like not that I think the Knicks are, are beating the Celtics with that team, but they're a Jason Tatum injury away from a chance. And like, you don't want to, you don't want to bet on that, but as, as good as they've looked this year and, and, as, and, and having underlying metrics that I, I always say, like consider the Knicks, a top five team at full health. Um, that that's a massive improvement. And, and I also think it playoff proofs you in a way this team isn't playoff proof right now, because that size on the perimeter against the best teams in the NBA is going to come back to bite them. And OG makes that a much more even fight, whether it's Milwaukee or Boston. I'm with you, and I guess we'll see what the future brings. Mitch-wise, OG Ananobi-wise, Knicks-wise, hopefully we get some more 
uh, 60-60 performances sometime soon. That would be awesome. 60% all across the board from the field in three. That would be sick. But until we see what the future holds, we'll be here for you guys with more shows coming up. Uh, I think we got a, a good show with a guest coming up soon. Uh, we got another game recap for you guys this week, perhaps two game recaps this week. So lots of great stuff to, still coming this week. So uh, until next time, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out, everybody.